my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Friday, June the 24th, and wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's grace, I wish you God's life, I wish you God's presence, nearness today. Thank you for being with me as we continue, right, to break open uh, our readings that we are going to hear this coming Sunday. Now, my friends, we started this three weeks ago, right, with the Feast of Pentecost, and then we had the Feast of the Blessed Trinity, the Most Holy Trinity, then we had the Feast of the Most Holy Body and Blood of Christ, what we used to call Corpus Christi. So all of those were, were feast days. In fact, with Pentecost, maybe one of the highest feast days, but all of them high feast days. Today, we get back into what is called ordinary time. Even though the weekdays between those feasts that I just mentioned were ordinary time and still are, but now our Sundays are going to be ordinary time. Now, let's talk a little bit about that. When I say ordinary time, please do not hear mundane, boring time. That's not it at all. In the church liturgical life, uh, time is divided up into two categories, ordinary time and what the church calls privileged time. It's those times of, of, well, I'll say it this way, because it's not always high times, by the way. Uh, it is those times from which uh, we descend and we are never the same again. Those privileged times within the church, just to name them very quickly, Advent, the season, right? Which is that four weeks long in preparation. Uh, the season of Christmas. Uh, the season of Lent, the Triduum, the three days, and, uh, and then the season of Easter, the 50 days. And then, of course, various feast days, such as the last two weeks that we had. But, you know, it's, it's those wonderful and um, indelible times in our life that uh, we live in a different plane. It's when our child gets married or our child graduates. It's when um, we lose a loved one. It's when the uh, job is taken away from us. It is uh, when the divorce comes through. It is, conversely, when I asked her to marry me and she said yes. Those are high times, brothers and sisters. And, 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 and when I say high, I don't mean wonderful and good. I mean life-altering times. That, that, again, we cross a Rubicon, as it were. That, that life will never be the same again. We cannot go back. But we can't live at that place, right? Because that's, that's too much. Uh, and so ordinary time is the day, out, day, day in, day out, living of the message of Jesus Christ, which is where most of our living takes place. And indeed, where most of our living needs to take place. And if we are only living the gospel of Jesus Christ at these high times, oh gosh, I think not only are we, but is the world the lesser for it. Uh, we are called to bring the gospel of Christ into the 
ordinary, okay, I'll use it, mundane, the day-in-day-out regions and people that we see and events to which we go, all those times. We are, we are meant to bring the gospel there. So, okay, my friends, we are back in ordinary time. And, okay, on feast days, like the body and blood of Christ, like we just celebrated last week, the theme sets the, the, what readings are selected. And all three readings are selected to point toward that theme. The, the body and blood of Christ, or Trinity Sunday before, or Pentecost. All the readings are sent to point to that. But now when we're in ordinary time, what we're going to do is we are going to walk through the gospel sequentially. And we're in Luke, right? It's year C, so that's Luke's year. A is Matthew, B is Mark, C is Luke. So we are in Luke chapter 9 this week. And... Uh, so next week, we'll probably also be in Luke chapter 9, so we're just going to read sequentially through it, kind of like we did uh, during the daily readings, right? But the first reading is always selected to go with the gospel now. And, and today is a perfect example. You're going to hear it in the first reading that I read and in the gospel I read, okay? And then I'll spin them out a little bit and let us sit and hopefully chew on it before we uh, hear the readings this weekend at Mass. Uh, okay, how's that for a five-minute, six-minute intro? Uh, again, I just, God love you. I, I can talk. But okay, our first reading today is going to be from 1 Kings. Okay, there's two books of Kings in the Old Testament. 1 Kings, chapter 19, verse 16b, and then 19 to 21. All right? And then following that, our gospel will be from, as I mentioned, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verses 51 to 62. So let's break open God's Word together. A reading, my friends, from the first book of Kings. The Lord said to Elijah, You shall anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat of Ablamohola, as prophet to succeed you. Elijah set out and came upon Elisha, son of Shaphat. As he was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen, he was following the twelve. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak over him. Elisha left the oxen, ran after Elijah, and said, Please, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, and I will follow you. Elijah answered, Go back. Have I done anything to you? Elisha left him, and taking the yoke of oxen, slaughtered them. He used the plowing equipment for fuel to boil their flesh, and gave it to his people to eat. Then Elisha left, and followed Elijah as his attendant. My friends, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. When the days for Jesus' being taken up were fulfilled, he resolutely determined to journey to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On the way, they entered a Samaritan village to prepare for his reception there, but they would not welcome him because his destination, because the destination of his journey was Jerusalem. 
When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume them? Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they journeyed to another village. As they were proceeding on their journey, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus answered him, Foxes have dens, and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. And to another he said, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. But he answered him, Let the dead bury their dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to my family at home. To him, Jesus said, No one who sets a hand to the plow and looks to what was left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You see it there, don't you? You see the... the, the uh, two gospel, how the, the gospel fits with that first reading. Elijah goes and throws his mantle, his cloak around Elisha. And Elisha says, let me go say goodbye to my father. And he says, what have I done anything to you? You know, what, what, go back. But Elisha understands what that means, that symbolism, right? So let's set the scene. Elijah, of course, my friends, is one of the great prophets of, of the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, Moses being the greatest and the first. Uh, Elijah being the one who came next. And then I would say the three that we are familiar with, those we call the major prophets, Isaiah, um, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. So Elijah is big time stuff. Well, Elijah has been told by God, hey, your time is coming to an end. Um, Appoint Elisha. Now, a lot of people say uh, Elijah and Elisha, I, and that may well be it. I've heard Elisha, he's, he, he's called all kinds of things. So forgive, I'm, I'm saying Elisha if I'm saying it wrong, uh, my fault. But uh, God tells Elijah, hey, go and appoint Elisha as your successor. And so throwing the mantle, throwing his cloak around and putting it on his shoulders is signifying you will follow me in this vocation. And Elisha understands that and, uh, and says, listen, let me say goodbye to my parents. And Elijah almost acts the, like, hey, what have I done? I, I just simply put a coat on you. You go back. What, what is it to me? But, uh, but Elisha knows. And so what he does is takes the, the oxen, slaughters them, provides, in a sense, food for his family for a while. Goodness sakes, 12 oxen would certainly do that. And then follows. Um, Fast forward to our gospel. Jesus has set his face uh, resolutely toward Jerusalem because he knows what's going to happen there. And so he's moving toward that place where salvation history must meet him and he salvation history. The reason, the the first part where the Samaritans, you know, don't welcome him and James and John want to burn things down is because their holy place is not Jerusalem, but it's um, 
gosh, I should know that. I want to say it's like Bethesda, but don't quote me on that. Forgive, I didn't, I didn't look at that beforehand. But I, I think it is Bethesda. And, uh, and so they're, they're saying, hey, if you're going to Jerusalem, because that's your holy place, you, you're not welcome here with us because you're going to Jerusalem as the holy place. So that's why they kind of, you know, nixed him out. They gave him the cold shoulder. And James and John are uppity about that. Well, listen, in Jesus saying, stop it to James and John, he's not saying what the Samaritans did was okay. It's not. But he's like, I got bigger fish to fry. And so he keeps moving toward Jerusalem and he encounters three different things, all of which, my friends, we can learn from and really what I want us to chew on today. The first is this. Someone comes up to him and says, I will follow you wherever you go. And he says this cryptic answer, right? Foxes have dens, birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Okay. Essentially, again, this is my understanding. Essentially, Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, don't plan on getting comfortable. Don't plan on digging in roots because we're never going to get to the point where we can rest that the gospel has been um, accepted and lived out. There's always going to be mission. There's always going to be more. And it's you, if you're going to say you follow me, it's you who's going to do it. So don't, don't be like a fox who has a den. Don't be like a bird of the air who's got a nest. Don't be expecting that you're going to be comfortable. Figure that it's a journey. It's a mission. And it's going to take you. It's, it's going to move you. It's going to press you the rest of your life. So that's point number one. Point number two. And to another, he said, follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me go and bury my father. Let me go first and bury my father. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, this sounds incredibly insensitive, doesn't it? Now, again, I've said it this way. I've said it this way, that, that essentially what is happening here is, is Jesus is saying to somebody, follow me. And the person says, I will do that as soon as my father has passed away and I bury him. Now, that might be a week from now. It might be 10 years from now. But I will follow you. I promise you. But this needs to happen first. I've said yes to my father. I, I owe allegiance to my father, whatever that is, my, my mother, my, my kin, let's say it that way. And when I bury them, I'm going to follow you. And Jesus is saying, no, the time for following me is not later. The time for following me is now. And, and let me say this, my friends, and this is an important point. This is a very important point. To honor one's father and mother is a commandment. It's not a suggestion. It's not, you know, hey, you know, if, if you get around to honoring mom and dad, that's fine. And to bury the dead is not a suggestion either. That is uh, something in Hebrew scriptures, just like it is in ours. This is what you do. This is a law. You bury the dead and you honor your father and mother. This person was honoring the law in two senses of what he, he wants to do. It's a he in this case. And, uh, and, but Jesus, Jesus knows that. 
And I'm going to use the words of Father Richard Rohr because I think they're brilliant. And, and And he uses it in terms of first half of life, second half of life. The first half of life, brothers and sisters, we need to build our tower. We need to, to live, as Paul did, all the rules correctly. We need to know them well and embrace them. And the second half of life, we need to jump off that tower. And in a sense, like Paul did, we need to know how to break the rules well. That when it's okay to break and when it's not. That what is the higher rule? Because when one comes, like Jesus saying, follow me, what is the lesser rule here? What is the lesser law? The, the, the Savior of the world is inviting you to follow now, and he's resolutely going to Jerusalem. He's caught between two goods here. And we, my friends, need to know the law well. We need to know it not only in our head, but in our heart, to be able to know when and how we need to well break it. Not for ourselves, but for the kingdom of God, for something higher. Third point. And another said, I will follow you, Lord, uh, but first let me say farewell to my family at home. This almost mirrors exactly what Elisha said to Elijah, right? And to him, Jesus said, no one who sets a hand to the plow. Jesus didn't say that, you know, foolishly. He was referencing Elisha because Elisha's plowing. No one who sets a hand to the plow and looks to what was left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. Let me put it in this term. If I said yes to marrying Renee, and I'm moving forward in that direction, but part of me is thinking about previous woman that I dated and and how good she is, and I wonder what that would have been like. But 90% of me is still moving forward with Renee, but 10% of me is looking back. How, how fit am I for the sacrament of marriage? I would say not, not very, because I'm divided. That's what Jesus is saying. Brothers and sisters, when we say yes, it cannot be a divided one. It must be with everything that we are and everything uh, that we have. Our yes must be full. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Essentially, my friends, what these, these readings are telling me today, and if the Spirit is taking you elsewhere, praise and thank God. But essentially what they're saying to me is, we cannot put off this call. If you right now are in the midst of a vocation and a career, and that's wonderful, that's wonderful, but somehow the Spirit of God enters in there and you feel that call to... to to move elsewhere. Listen, Elisha was in a vocation. He was plowing. And all of a sudden, he he had a cloak thrown on him and said, nope, you're not going that way. You're going this way. And you know what he did? He listened to it. He went. Brothers and sisters, we may think our life is moving in this direction, to our right. But we may hear inwardly, outwardly, somehow, the Spirit of God inviting us elsewhere. If and when that comes, we have a choice. We have the choice of Elisha. We have the choice of these three that Jesus encountered. Will we wait until things are correct? Will we do so half-heartedly? 
Will we do so only to the extent that there's comfort that lies ahead? My friends, the kingdom of God invites us to be ministers and missionaries. The kingdom of God invites that to be our vocation. Somehow, some way, in the ordinariness of whatever it is you and I do, somehow we need to to bring that with us. And we need to be open for a spirit of God that is not tame, but is wild, and will call us in different ways at maybe the worst of times. And Jesus will say, do you want to wait till later? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is called right now. We are called to live it in the midst of our ordinariness, not when the kids are out of the house. Why? Because the kids need to hear it in the house, and they need to witness it in the house, or whatever it is that's going on in our life. My friends, the time is now. It is not later. It will not end after our yes. It is a continued yes, and it must carry our full-throated, full hearted affirmation. Our God will love you and me, thankfully, regardless of our answer. But if we are to walk well in the footsteps of our God, he invites us to resolutely set our face toward that which is difficult. And as Elijah, or excuse me, Elisha did, to follow behind not knowing exactly where that path will go, but knowing that we've been called by God. My friends, let's pray. And as we begin this ordinary time, we're just going to start the rosary at the very beginning. I've jumped around a lot these last three weeks. But let's begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The first joyful mystery, the Annunciation. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, bless you. Have a wonderful Friday, a wonderful weekend, a wonderful weekend. And I'll see you again next Friday.